0: Welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a little bedtime story. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage, put your headphones on, and let's give ourselves nightmares together. This week I have for you a story by VP Morris. VP is an award-winning thriller and horror author and podcast host. Her two dark thriller novels, Shadowcast and Dead Ringer, are available now on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at T.WriteRepeat and on Facebook as VP Morris Writer, all one word. I will have a link in the show notes to this week's story. Please go buy it and read along and help support this amazing author. And without further ado... VP Morris has for us exit 13. Devin blared on the horn of her silver compact car. The two-lane interstate was clogged like an artery, but instead of cholesterol causing the blockage, it was a six-car pileup. Devin knew her fury was pointless. All the honking in the world wasn't going to get that accident cleaned up any faster, but it felt good to lean on the horn anyway. My sister is going to kill me! She whined. But no one else was in the car to feel sorry for her. This was typical of Disaster Devon, as her family called her. She was never on time for anything, and a series of usually self-imposed misfortunes would befall her, forcing her to shirk her responsibilities. If it wasn't a hangover, it was a fight with an ex-boyfriend. And if it wasn't a fight with an ex-boyfriend, it was one of her party girl friends needing a place to crash or a shoulder to cry on. Devin caught her reflection in the rearview mirror and smiled, knowing her sister would at least be happy with how she looked. Her shimmery makeup was flawless. Her bridesmaid's dress matched perfectly with the pink rose flower crown she had woven into her chocolate-colored hair. None of this was Devin's style. She preferred sleek and shiny cocktail dresses, paired with a sharp eyeliner and hot mess hair. But... This wasn't Devin's day. It was Samantha's, and Devin was about to ruin it by showing up late. Keeping one eye on the road, she tapped on her phone screen, hoping GPS could find a way around this mess. You are on the fastest route despite heavier-than-usual traffic, the robotic voice said. She huffed in frustration. To make matters worse, she was in desperate need of a bathroom. The only saving grace was a ramshackle gas station up ahead. The man behind the counter let out a snicker as Devin, in her pink floral getup, rushed to the graffiti and rust-covered bathroom door. She ignored him, thanking God for the sweet relief of using a toilet instead of wetting her bridesmaid's dress. She went up to the yellow-bearded man behind the register. His mullet peeped out from under a baseball cap and his nostrils were in serious need of (laughs) weed-whacking. "'Where's the party, princess?' He laughed. "'Very funny. Do you think I want to look like this?' She sneered. He shrugged. "'To answer your question, the party is my sister's wedding in Astoria, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it with all this traffic. Do you know if there's a shortcut I can use?' A man with a potbelly that stuck out under a leather jacket and t-shirt spoke up. She could always take exit 13. Oh, pipe down, Jimmy. The cashier scolded. Devin turned to Jimmy. What's exit 13? The cashier answered for him. It's nothing. It's not an option for you anyway. You're gonna just have to grin and bear that traffic jam. Jimmy came closer scratching at his five o'clock shadow. Just tell the girl, Paul. Paul wrinkled his forehead, but obliged his best friend and most frequent customer. (sighs) Exit 13 closed down in 1965. You see, the curve that the off-ramp took was too sharp and caused a ton of accidents. One day, there was a big one. An oil tanker tumbled off the side of the road and pulverized every car in its path before setting the whole side of the road on fire. The city had to take action after that, but they couldn't afford to fix it. So they just closed it off. And what else? Jimmy had a smug smile on his face. I'm not talking about the curse. You know, I don't believe any of that nonsense you're so interested in this, tell her yourself. Paul motioned for Jimmy to continue the story. Jimmy turned to Devin and eyed her up and down. It would be my pleasure. Devin ignored this ogling and waited for him to go on. Legend has it, he began. There was nothing wrong with the off-ramp from an engineering perspective. That's just what the officials said to keep everyone calm. But the story goes that an evil man was killed by that oil tanker and used his dying wish to curse the whole area near where he met his doom so that others would know his pain. Even after the closure, strange things continued to happen there. Even trees don't grow as well in the soil past the off-ramp, as if the land in that section of the road is infected with evil. On top of that, people have reported hearing faint tire screeches and car horns from time to time when no other vehicles are around. Used to be a rite of passage for us back when we were kids, sneak off to exit 13 on dare or smoke a joint without worrying about our parents catching us it was the perfect hangout spot Till Robbie disappeared Devin stared at them with wide eyes what happened to Robbie? we don't know said Paul he was just 16 years old went down on his bike alone Two of us with the rest of our friends waited at the top, to the side of the highway, but he never resurfaced. We went searching for him, but all that was found was one bicycle wheel with bent spokes and a pop tire. Robbie was never seen again. From then on, everyone in this town stayed away from Exit 13. Jimmy hung his head in sadness. Paul ran his hand over his face through his scruffy beard. It's a shame, too. Not just about Robbie, but it was so convenient. You could take the exit ramp all the way to Route 32 and merge back on the highway just before the bridge, but now we're doomed to take the interstate the whole way. We cut the travel time in half. Your car could fit. Jimmy said to Devin. You got that little silver thing out there, right? He pointed to her car in the gas station parking lot. Yep. It's pretty tiny, said Devin. They put up concrete barriers to keep people from driving down there. But if you're careful, I I bet you could squeeze by. Just then, Devin's phone rang. It was her father. She picked up. Where are you? He asked, with the irritation grinding in his teeth. Almost there. Fifteen minutes. She lied. If I have to stall the ceremony for you, so help me God. Dad, I'll be there. Just let me drive. She hung up on him. (sighs) I'm going to try it. I have no other choice. My family will hate me forever if I mess up this wedding. It's dangerous. Not from all that supernatural bullshit Jimmy is spewing, but those roads haven't been repaved in years. You could ruin your car and get stranded, warned Paul. Those roads aren't so bad. Might be worth a shot, especially if you need to get to that bridge real fast, said Jimmy as Paul shot him a disappointed look. Devin caught a glance of the time on her smartphone screen. Damn it. I'm really late. I have no choice but to try it. Wish me luck. Devin rushed out of the gas station and threw herself behind the wheel. She merged back into traffic and patiently crawled forward. There, in the distance, a faded green sign read, Exit 13 but two large red circles on either side of the off-ramp glared with a warning of do not enter. Two barriers with orange reflecting tape across them blocked the entrance with a six-foot gap between. I bet those were put there when the cars were as big as boats with their wood paneling and extra-long chassis, Devon thought. They weren't expecting me and my super-small shitbox. She took a deep breath jammed on the gas, and aimed for that opening. She slipped through without even a scratch. I love you. I love you. She said to her car while stroking its dashboard. I'm sorry for not appreciating you more. I was so disappointed when Dad got this for me in high school. I bitched to anyone who would listen about your size, your squeaky brakes, and the passenger side doors that won't unlock. She laughed to herself. But this time... (laughs) Your shittiness actually came in handy. But Devin's cheery disposition simmered down as she drove on. The first thing she noticed was that Jimmy was right. The area did seem so much more barren of greenery than the rest of the Oregonian scenery. There must be some explanation for that, she thought as she zoomed down the abandoned section of Route 32. I'll be there in no time. The sky darkened, and little water droplets glistened on her windshield. Sam is going to be pissed. She always dreamed of the perfect beach wedding. Maybe this means the ceremony will be delayed, and I won't be late after all. She smiled. This was the one time gloomy Oregon weather worked in her favor. Turning the dial, she found a radio station playing Top 40 hits. A new single from Taylor Swift serenaded Devin through the car's speakers before a patch of static interrupted the melody. Lyrics came in and out, intertwining and distorting with white noise. The radio tuned back in, but a man's voice warbled over the airwaves. All oh, the oh, the death. He laughed and grunted while speaking in a low tone. She couldn't make out what he was saying, but the words "doom," forgotten, and too late peppered his one-sided conversation. The atmosphere suddenly felt creepier to Devin. At first, driving on an abandoned road didn't bother her. Instead, it gave her a rush, like sneaking out of the house as a teenager. But now, fear clung to the back of her mind, as she felt the stark forest stare back at her. Enough of this. She punched the radio button. But the voice didn't stop. Come on! She yelled, slamming it again and again. She looked back up at the road. Something was in the middle of the street. She swerved out of the way, but her tires slipped on the wet road. The silver compact rolled over, knocking Devin's head around the small plastic interior. The airbags deployed, saving Devin from certain death, but plunging her into unconsciousness. After a few moments of darkness, she awoke to see a figure approaching her in the rearview mirror. The wedding went off without a hitch, Lance lied to the inquiring bartender. Good, he said, glancing past Lance at the guests in the reception hall. If you get jittery before the best man speech, come back here and I'll hook you up with some special brandy. Calms the nerves right down. Works every time, he promised. Lance took his beer from the bartender and nodded a thanks. He thought he would be able to get through the speech without the special brandy, but after the fit Samantha threw when her sister failed to show, he didn't want to take any chances. He snuck out to the garden, hoping the guests in the bridal party would give him a few minutes of peace. Lance was never one for crowds, always hanging back at parties, rarely speaking first. Now that Nick was married, he knew he would never be a best man again. Lance only had sisters, and Nick was his only close friend. The rest of Lance's male acquaintances circled around him like moons on a planet, near enough to see each other regularly, but never getting close enough to make an impact. That was alright. Being here today for Nick was good enough for Lance. But he didn't realize how unimportant it would make him feel. Now that the ceremony was over, and the pictures had been taken the spotlight completely shifted to shine on Nick and Samantha alone. The one thing Lance had been looking forward to was seeing Devin again. He had a crush on Samantha's older sister for years. She was always somewhat around whenever they would hang out at Sam's house, her presence floating in the background like smoke. He loved her long, messy, dark hair, coarse language, and strong perfume that lingered even after she left he could almost smell it now in his head he imagined them turning to each other during the reception leaning against the back wall of the ballroom making fun of everyone else like stoners at a school dance disaster Devin he whispered to himself with a laugh what did you say? someone asked to his left it was Mr. Willis, Samantha and Devin's father. The grim look was etched onto his face. I was just thinking out loud about Devin. How she didn't show up. Lance stammered. The silver-haired man was clutching his smartphone and looking down at it puzzled. Did she text or something? Lance asked, dying to know where she ended up. No. I tracked her phone. says she's here, in the middle of this forest, near a closed-off stretch of road. He held the screen up. Or she ditched her phone and is partying at a dive bar somewhere along the coast, said Samantha. She emerged from behind Mr. Willis in a billowing white gown. Lines of anger creased her foundation that was two shades darker than her normal skin tone. The father of the bride came to his eldest daughter's defense. I know your sister isn't the most reliable, but I don't think she'd ever willingly miss your wedding. She could be in trouble. Samantha scoffed. (laughs) Please, Dad. You know how she is. Remember? You found her making out with the coat check boy at Grandma May's funeral. Lance held in a laugh. Even still, this is worrisome. I can go check it out, Lance offered, rocking on the balls of his feet. Really? Mr. Willis asked. It wouldn't be too much trouble? Nah, it looks like it's close by. Can't hurt to check. Besides, what is a best man for anyway? Both men looked at Samantha hoping she would give them permission for another interruption on her wedding day. Fine. Just be back in time for your speech. She said reluctantly. Lance nodded and headed towards his car. The navigation system wouldn't let him travel down the closed section of Route 32, but he was able to zoom in on the map to figure out how to get there. If he went south turned and went northbound again on the interstate, he would be able to make it to Route 32 by using what looked like an exit ramp. The world was growing dark as the sun was hovering just above the tree line. The reception hall, full of music and happy voices, now faded into the silence of the open road. There were fewer cars than he was expecting, even if it was getting late definitely not as busy as it would be if they would have just had their wedding in Portland like Nick had wanted to, but Samantha vetoed that idea. Lance pulled up to exit 13. The sign was old and rusted. The words were barely intelligible on the sign. Two thick concrete barriers stood stiff and silent, like guards outside of a palace. None shall pass here. Lance imagined them saying. With a bit of grunt work, he was able to wedge the concrete guards away from one another, so that his two-seater pickup could fit through. This wasn't the noble steed a fair maiden might expect to rescue her from peril, but Lance imagined Devon would be glad to see his truck coming to her aid anyway. The twilight hue made it hard for Lance to see he could tell something was off about this part of the woods. He expected the roads to be desolate and cracked, but he didn't expect the air to feel drier, the smell to be burnt and smoky, and the woods to be freakishly silent. His navigational system met with the spot identified by Mr. Willis's tracking app. On the shoulder of the road sat Devin's sad little compact, dented and alone. Alarm bells rang in Lance's gut as he rushed out of his truck. The driver's side door was ajar. The interior light glowed against the blue night sky. Her purse was still inside. A ring of pink flowers lay on the ground just a yard away from the car. Lance walked over to it and picked it up. Little drops of blood speckled, the petals red. A voice pierced the silence. It was a man. He was dressed impeccably, pinstripe suit, perfectly tailored, with a black satin tie and a tight complex knot and an old-fashioned hat. He held a rolled cigarette between his teeth and let the smoke drain out of his mouth. He looked down and then looked back up at Lance with a grin, making his handsome but sharp features even more jarring. My car broke down just a little while back. I tried to make it on foot, but got lost. I was hoping you could give me a ride, the man said. Lance stared back at him in slack-jawed silence, Devin's bloody flower crown still in his hand. It would only take a few minutes, hardly any trouble at all, the man continued, taking a few steps forward. Lance spoke, his voice meek and soft. Sorry, I'm having a bit of an emergency here. My friend, she's missing. Now that's awfully rude, said the man, coming even closer. Not helping a stranger in need? Sorry, sir, but I have to call the police first. This is serious. Lance said, with a bit more might than the first time. (laughs) Kids these days, he said looking away. Good are you for anyway? Lance didn't reply. He slid open his lock screen and his fingers pressed the number nine. You see, I'm heading to a wedding, and it's awfully important that I be there, the man said, walking closer. The same wedding your friend was going to. I hope she made it. She got a ride after walking back to town. How do you know that? When you see a bridesmaid walking along the side of a highway, you figure she must be headed to a wedding. Lance knew this situation was dangerous, and he needed to distract the man before he could get out of there. Just then, he remembered Devin's car's faulty locks. Well... Lance said. You're awfully late. The ceremony's already over. Why don't we drive Devin's car back? It needs to go to a mechanic's as quickly as possible, and I can get my truck later. The man beamed. Another sly grin, and nodded. Following Lance, he climbed into the passenger seat. Lance swiped Devin's purse from the car, slid out of the driver's side, and slammed the door. He pulled out her keys and pressed the lock button. The man grabbed at the door, but it didn't budge. He turned to stare at Lance. His face was now as gray as death. His eyes were pure black. His smile morphed into a thousand razor-toothed maw as he howled in frustration at him. Holy shit! Lance stumbled over his feet, but he made it back to his truck and sped away with black beams curling from the tailpipe. In the rearview mirror, Lance discovered that the man had freed himself from Devin's car and was now bounding after him on all fours. Lance hid the gas and sped through the crumbling road, desperate to get back to the interstate. He took a deep breath and looked back again. But the man was gone. He sighed with relief. Just as he was able to sneak his truck back through the concrete guards he had earlier separated, he saw a wisp of pink fabric in the trees. The thought of Devon flashed in his mind. He slammed the truck in reverse and pulled up alongside a tree where he could see a pink dress dangling in the wind. Devin? Devin Willis? Are you up there? He shouted. Lance! A voice whispered in the darkness. Yes, it's me! Devin was a few feet in the air, holding on to a sickly evergreen up here is he gone you saw him too Lance called up the man in the suit she asked in a voice that was like a screaming whisper yup Lance replied I got into an accident and I blacked out when I woke up he was trying to break into my car So I booked it and decided to climb a tree and hide like a real genius. The only problem is, I'm too scared to climb down. Devin could feel her muscles burning as she clung to the tree. The wind howled, threatening another downpour of rain. Lance's eyes darted around the woods. No one was there. The coast is clear. Make a run for it! He shouted up to her. She bit her lip and agreed. She inched down the evergreen, letting its rough bark dig into her skin. A few more branches to go. I can do this, she whispered to herself. Crack. The branch supporting her weight broke free from the trunk. Devin went down and tumbled into Lance's arms. I got you, he reassured her. They smiled at each other. The wind hollowed out for a moment, but then went silent, as if the world around them was put on mute. The man's laughter filled the void. It's him, screamed Devin. The two of them threw themselves into Lance's truck, not bothering with seatbelts before Lance gunned it up the road. Exit 13 was up ahead, less than a mile by Lance's estimation. The truck's radio sprang to life, and the man's laughter piped into the truck's interior, meeting Lance and Devin's ears with terror. What in the ever-loving fuck is happening? Devin shrieked, swiveling her head around. Dear God, she whispered, looking directly at Lance. What? He asked as he focused ahead. Don't look to the side. Whatever you do, don't look to the side. Devon urged. Lance drew a deep breath of courage. He had to look. The man was there, latched onto his side window his mouth a round sucker of triangle teeth leeching onto the glass as wolf-like claws emerged with the man's fingertips to scratch at the door handle. Mother of- Lance called out before he swiveled the truck, almost skidding off the wall. Devin clung to her seat, her eyes as wide as saucers. I told you not to look- She scolded. Lance ignored her comment. He put his foot on the gas, almost hitting 80 miles an hour. The concrete guards of the freeway exit were parted, and light from interstate traffic beckoned him forward. You're not going to fit through, Devin screamed. Yes, I will. I did before. Lance threaded the truck through the separated barriers and merged back on the highway. The specter who clung to the window looked back at him with hatred boiling in his black eyes. Bit by bit, the man's body fluttered away with the wind, until he was no longer there. Devin peered back at exit 13. The man was there, standing in his suit, staring after them like a hunter who lost his game. Up ahead, the friendly yellow glow of the gas station sign caught Devin's eye. There! Go in there! She commanded, fear still boiling in her blood. Lance did as she asked, and before he could even get the truck to a complete stop, she was out of the door and running inside, her torn and dirty dress trailing in the wind. Jimmy and his potbelly were leaning over the counter as he was rattling on onto Paul about some inane topic when the bell above the door chimed with weeping trails of mascara around her eyes and blood on her bare feet and hands. She grabbed a fistful of beef jerky strips and proceeded to beat Jimmy over the head with them. Why in fuck's name would you ever tell someone to go down that godforsaken hellhole of a road? Fury rose in Devin's voice as Jimmy attempted to duck her blows. Car trouble? asked Paul assuming the poor girl broke down and had to walk back into town. Car trouble? Car trouble? She screeched back. Would you call being hunted by a demon man ghost wolf with black eyes and sharp teeth car trouble? Lance entered the stale-smelling mini-mart with mud caked to the bottom of his tuxedo pants and stress exaggerating the lines on his young face. He can back me up. He saw the man, too. Devin pointed at Lance. The three faces waited for him to speak. It's true. There's something or someone down there. He looked like a man. A well-dressed man. Like he's a member of the Rat Pack or something. But he wasn't human. Not all the way, at least. Lance said with a quiet voice. Oh no, said Paul. Looks like Jimmy's wild stories got to you, little lady. And your friend, too. His voice was thick with condescension. He straightened his cap and leaned over from his cashier's counter. You see, when stressed, the mind becomes highly suggestible. Jimmy's story about Exit 13 being haunted was in your subconscious as you made your way down the road then you got car trouble in the rain before a big event. The stress was already piling on and then your brain reacts by creating a danger that isn't there and then you... Devin cut him off. This wasn't a delusion brought on by stress. It was real. And you know what? I'll fucking show you. Come on. She gestured for the men to follow her. I'm not going out there, said Jimmy. Jimmy. Trying to play it cool. You scared? Asked Devin. Now, now, now. Let's be rational here. Paul began. You can't say you don't believe me. If you're not willing to take a look yourself. She said. I can't just leave the store. He motioned to the fluorescent lit room. Filled with non-perishable snacks. And trashy magazines. No one else was in the store. Oh, because of all the customers? Said Devin. We don't need your help. But it would be the rational thing to do. Lance was goading Paul. Fine. Paul agreed. He twisted a key on the side of the register, locking it. He flicked a few light switches, which turned off the interior lights as well as the sign outside. At least it'll shut Jimmy up once and for all. I'll drive, offered Jimmy, and the four of them ventured back to the forgotten off-ramp. Just as Jimmy's SUV slid through the separated barriers, he stepped on the gas, and bent the car quickly down the slick road. At the sharpest part of the turn, he jerked the wheel and the car flipped on its side and rolled three times before coming to a dead stop. At the base of a thick tree. The world went black for everyone. Everyone but Jimmy. Devin awoke inside of the SUV, her head pounding once again. Sharp pieces of glass were embedded into her skin. Her first instinct was to cry out in pain, but she stopped herself. There were voices nearby. She inched herself forward and sat up her vision blurred and her head throbbed she blinked hard and forced herself to concentrate looking through the shattered windshield she saw Jimmy standing and speaking out into the darkness master he called out my dark lord please answer me your humble servant, for I have brought you not one, not two, but three souls for you to feast upon. Beside her, Lance was slumped at her feet, and Paul was passed out in the passenger seat in front of her. Oh no, she whispered as she shook Lance and Paul. Only Lance awoke. What happened? He asked in a loud voice. She shushed him and instructed him to get down. A pair of black Oxford shoes with white wingtips were now standing in front of Jimmy. Dark Master, thank you for gracing me with your presence. I hope you find my offerings suitable. Three ripe souls? The man asked. Yes, including the two who evaded you from earlier. Excellent work, my boy. Now, let my feast begin. He's coming over, whispered Devin. We need to go. But Paul isn't awake. We can't just leave him here. Lance scooted towards Paul and shook him vigorously. We don't have time said Devin play dead the two of them threw their bodies down in the wreckage and laid still Paul was just groaning awake when the man got down on all fours his hands turning into animal claws again he crawled towards the car and slithered his lanky body in through the hole where the windshield used to be Jimmy watched flaccidly from the side of the road Paul awoke and screamed at the sight of the man, his face turning more lupine with a mouth overstuffed with blade-like teeth. Jimmy! Help! He called out to his friend. Get this guy away from me! Why do you think he is going to help you? Asked the man, teeth glinting in the moonlight. Because I'm his friend. Paul answered. So was Robbie, and that didn't stop him. (laughs) The man cackled before sinking his fangs into Paul's neck. (sighs) Paul wiggled and shook, but he could not break free from the man's maw, which proceeded to suck every drop of blood out of his body. Jimmy hung his head and lowered his eyes. Before the man could withdraw his teeth from Paul's corpse, Lance and Devon sprang out of the shattered side window. The man roared, his bellow echoing through the empty road and dark forest. Get them back here, he commanded. Jimmy chased after the bridesmaid and the best man, but his size and age worked against him. Please, you don't understand. I have to do this. He he needs to feed so he doesn't come after the rest of us. Jimmy called out after the couple. He dug in harder and picked up speed to trail just a few feet behind them. I have to give him a sacrifice. Well, it isn't going to be us. Devin used one of her bloody feet to kick him in the balls. He doubled over in pain. The man was right behind him. He dashed Jimmy to the side, leaving three long claw marks in his arm as he fell to the ground. He hissed at his servant. Devin and Lance ran faster. They were inches from the barrier when the man's suckling face bit down on Lance's arm. He screamed out in pain, stopping Devin in her tracks. She picked up Lance's free arm and dragged him towards the highway. Just go! He started, save yourself. The man bit down with more force and Lance's blood splashed up around the man's mouth. His eyes glowed with delight. Devon ignored Lance's pleas and pulled harder, crossing the barrier. Lance was feeling faint from pain and blood loss, but he mustered enough strength to push the rest of his body out of exit 13. The man's power failed. He couldn't last more than a few moments away from his cursed area of road. He drew back, blood dripping from his face and staining his suit. Lance stumbled forward, pale-faced and weak. We need help, said Devin. A bright beam of headlights cut through the darkness, and Devin rushed out to get the driver's attention. But the driver of the oncoming vehicle was not paying as much attention to what was in front of him as he should. He was only able to brake at the last second, sending Devin flying into the road in front of them. Everything was a blur until Devin found herself flat on her back with an IV in her arm. She was moving, being jostled as she lay there in an ambulance. A woman with her hair tied back in a long braid assured her she would be alright and tested her vital signs. When she finished, Devon discovered Lance had been sitting next to her, holding her hand. Then, she started laughing a big, (laughs) all-consuming laugh. ''What is it?'' he asked disaster, Devon," she said. (laughs) I really earned that name this time. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much again to VP Morris, this week's author. Again, show notes, go check out her work. There's a link to this story, and from there you can find some of her other work. Um, uh, thank you again for letting me do this to your story, V P. If you'd like your story produced in the scare you to sleep fashion, submit it to scareyotosleep at gmail dot com and it will be considered and if you'd like to follow the show, there's a link in the show notes to my link tree, which will take you to Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, merch. Um, go buy merch. I'm going to be doing a sale soon, actually, so don't buy it yet. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have told you that, but, uh, you know, we all deserve a good deal. So there's going to be a sale soon, um, kind of an end of summer, well, <laughs> mid-summer sale. Um, I'm, I said end of summer because of wishful thinking, but... <laughs> By the way, um, my new little kitty cat has a name, if you didn't see on social media, her name is Clara Bow, after the old movie actress. Um, It's because she's beautiful, and she's in black and white, just like Clara Bow. So um, thank you for all of your suggestions. Um, I'm very happy with the name, and I hope you are too. So welcome, Clara Bow. She was actually helping me edit tonight. She has figured out that um, she loves my office and she loves laying in here with me. For the last week, though, she's just kind of like laid on the bed or on the floor. And now she's realizing my focus is on this screen in front of me. And so she was all over my desk. And if you hear any little pitter-patters in the background. It's because she was definitely on my desk while I was (laughs) recording some of the sound effects. Um, I think I got all of her little, little noises out though. Um, so yeah, let's see what else. Oh, Midsummer Scream is actually within a few hours now. So I hope to see some of you out there next week. I'll update you and tell you if I got to see any of you and meet any of you, by the way, it was supposed to be for the 30th and 31st. Um, I was unaware that that was changed and it's only, I'm only going to be there on the 30th. I don't know if any of you will hear this in time, but I will be there the 30th. So hopefully if you are coming, you're getting the, you're going to be there all weekend and I will be there on the 30, 30th today. <laughs> yes. I need to go to bed. I need to get my beauty sleep so I don't look like, um, one of the monsters from my stories tomorrow when I meet people, <laughs> um, Alright, I think that's all for this week. Um, Yeah, I believe so. New stuff coming. Fun stuff. Oh, I will be in Dallas at Podcast Movement in August. Um, I will be there, I think, the whole whole week. Yeah, I'm going to be there the whole week. So if you're going to Podcast Movement in Dallas, or if you were thinking about going to Podcast Movement in Dallas, I will be there. And I'm going to be doing a panel with John Grills and Pacific Obadiah from SCP Archives and Creepy. I just put those all in the wrong order. (laughs) But um, I will be there doing a panel talking about the art of horror fiction. And so come hear me talk about horror fiction with two amazing podcasters who have done amazing work in the world of horror fiction. And I'm so honored to be um even asked to be in the same room as them much less uh on the same stage so i'm very excited again Dallas podcast movement it's the end of august um i want to say the 23rd through the 26th or 27th maybe um something like that i think those are just the dates i'm going to be in dallas but um i'll be there a week. Or if you're in Dallas and you want to say hi, I'll I'll be around. (laughs) Uh, Alrighty, I'm going to go to sleep. I love you all. Please be drinking water. It's very hot. It's very hard to remember, I know. But please, for me, drink water. Actually, for me, get some electrolytes too. If you're going to be going, doing anything outdoors or even just not get some electrolytes. They, they make like off-brand Pedialyte in like powder packets at like Target. I don't know about Walmart, but I always see them. I bought them from Target. You throw it in your water. They even make flavorless ones. If you don't want that nasty, like artificial sweetener flavor, um, get your electrolytes. I'm pumping up. I'm, I'm stepping up my hydration talk and now I'm including electrolytes, (laughs) but definitely drink water. Okay. I'm going to go to sleep. Um, hope to see some of you in a few hours. I love you. Uh, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.